Hi, thanks for listening. In 20 seconds or less, I wanted to ask if you would consider supporting the show with a one-time donation of $1 to $3. The funds go to subscription fees, equipment upkeep, and a general sense of well-being. Links in the show notes. And again, thanks for listening. Okay, on with the show. Chapter 24 Gary ran to the edge, confirming what his eyes were telling him. Where the truck had been now was only torn-up gravel and crimson stain. He was about to turn and slump down against the waist-high ledge and wait to either starve to death or to be a meal for the hungry down below when he heard the truck horn. Gary looked up and couldn't believe his eyes. In the distance, Beverly was racing the truck parallel to the building. She had her left arm out the window and was waving at him. He watched in joyful bemusement as Beverly guided the truck into a pack of zombies, sending them flying, before she turned the truck towards the interconnection. Behind the truck, an even larger pack of undead gave chase. Knowing it was going to be close, he crawled up onto the ledge of the building and waited for Beverly to make her approach. Seconds later, Beverly turned the truck and pulled it up to the wall. The bucket lift stopped in front of Gary, and he climbed in. He was about to lower the bucket when he looked back out into the yard and saw the horde bearing down on them. He didn't have time to call to Beverly before the truck lurched forward and away from the building. The bucket lift bucked like a rodeo bull, and he was nearly thrown out. He grabbed onto the sides in a white-knuckled death grip and tried to hold on, not daring to try and work the controls to lower the bucket for fear of falling to his death. Looking up, his world was a blur of jolts and jitters. All he could be certain of was that Beverly was headed right for a large group of shufflers, the only thing standing between them and the central control building. Despite his grip on the bucket, he was once again almost thrown out as the impact of repeated collisions traveled through the truck and up into the lift. Seconds later, the jostling stopped. He looked around to see what had changed. His breath caught in his throat as he looked down and from his bird's-eye view saw the truck surrounded by the biggest horde so far. He heard the engine race and tires spin as the truck tried to press through the mass. The engine sank to a low, mean growl, and black smoke poured from the tailpipes, wafting past him. The truck whined, then lurched forward as the mass gave way. In the bucket, Gary was thrown back and nearly tumbled out. He regained his balance and looked forward as the control building in the distance grew nearer. Reaching out, and midst all the rattling and shaking, he was able to pull the lever that lowered the bucket lift. Like an albatross coming in for a landing, the bucket kicked up and down, left and right, as it descended. The truck rolled to a stop at the same time as the bucket lift finished lowering. Gary hopped out and climbed down in a hurry. 
He came around to the driver's side as Beverly jumped out. He went to the front door and Beverly followed. She came up short as instead of going in, Gary blocked her way. Behind them, the shuffling dead began to regroup and come toward them. Gary, what are you doing? We have to get inside, Beverly said. A resolute sadness crept into Gary's eyes as he looked at Beverly. No, Bev, I do. You need to get back into that truck and get home to your family, Gary said. Beverly stared at him, her mouth working, but no words came out. Understanding and acceptance washed over her, and she took a step towards Gary. Bev, please, Gary said, his words cut off by Beverly's. There was a mass shooting at the lake. I know, Bev, he said. Gary looked behind Beverly at the advancing horde. Every fiber of his being cried out to push Beverly into the truck and then turn and run inside, locking the door behind him. But Beverly's eyes locked him in place as she continued. My husband, he risked his life and took out the shooter. A lot of people died, but not everybody, because of what Mark did. He is one of the bravest, most selfless men I know. And now you're another one, Gary Sykes. Tears filled both their eyes as the words washed over Gary. Before he could say anything, Beverly rushed forward and hugged him. Then she turned and jumped into the truck and slammed the door behind her. She didn't look back at him as she hit the gas and cranked the wheel in a hard right. She plowed through the advancing horde a final time, then sped off into the night. Gary watched until the truck turned left out of the plant and onto the road. With the zombie horde advancing on the building, he pushed open the door and went inside. Epilogue Sliding the deadbolt into place, Gary stared at the door, waiting for something to happen. There was only the silence. Maybe they forget all about me. Pass on by, Gary said. Several more seconds of silence passed, and he let out his breath. Okay, he said, then turned and walked down the hall to the control room. He got about halfway when he heard it. A thump. Small at first, sounded on the other side of the door. He froze. Another thump. Same as the first, but quickly followed by another. Then another. And another. He listened. Just under the thumps and bangs, he could hear something else. Moaning. He ran. He had to hurry. There wouldn't be much time. Rushing into the room and up to a console in the back, he ripped the plastic sheeting off the still-new unit. On the left was a series of monitors. Above these, on the wall, were several more. To the right was another console, this one an array of dials and switches. Above that was a panel of indicator lights, with another panel of switches. A single light flashed on the left of the indicator panel, under it were the words, Grid Array. He pushed this and the rest of the lights on the panel lit up. The monitors on the wall turned on, displaying representations of the Western, Eastern, and Texas interconnections. 
Under each of the three interconnections were five indicators, with labels beneath each one of them. Line voltage, frequency, phase sequence, phase angle, and waveform. On the panel just to the side was a synchroscope, one for each of the interconnections. At the top of each scope was a red arrow between a plus sign and a negative sign. They all pointed straight down. Gary sat in the chair in front of the panel and flipped a switch labeled Shaft Energy. Overhead, a computer-generated female voice sounded. Synchronous generator speed initiated. Generator field energized. Eastern grid synchronization in 15 minutes. Behind him and down the hall, the banging and thumping grew louder. He turned, and his face paled. No time, he said. He turned back to the console and watched as the pointer on the Eastern Interconnection synchroscope slowly rose. After the photo ops and handshaking were done, a new technician was supposed to be running this station, but Gary had grabbed the training manual and read enough to know what needed to be done. It was really just like monitoring rates at his own station, only this was the whole U.S. grid. Sweat poured off his brow, and his hands shook as he flipped switches and turned dials. Minutes later, a new sound joined the banging and groaning. A metallic sound. Gary stood and went out into the hall. He kept his eyes on the door as he slowly approached. He jumped back as he watched the once solid door move ever so slightly in its frame. Down the hall, in the control room, the computer-generated voice sounded. Eastern interconnection synchronized. Initiate generator circuit breaker close for eastern interconnection. Turning, he ran back to the control room. As he entered, a buzzing sounded on the control board. He rushed over and flipped a switch labeled Eastern Breaker Close. The buzzer stopped, and the voice sounded. Western Grid Synchronization in 15 Minutes. He looked at the synchroscope for the Western Interconnection and watched the pointer begin to rise. He ran his fingers through his hair and tried to catch his breath. Shit, he said, looking around the room, his eyes falling on a bank of file cabinets. He went over and wrapped his arms around, trying to move it to no avail. Giving up, he glanced at the couch. He grabbed the armrest and tried to drag it over to the door. With his face beat red, he managed to slide the couch across the floor. A high-pitched screech sounded as the metal legs scraped across the steel floor. When he got to the door, he realized that the couch was too wide. With renewed effort, he tried to lift the couch, but his hand slipped and he fell. Across the room, the buzzer sounded again. He jumped up and over the couch to the control panel. More adjustments to switches and dials silenced the alarm. Behind him, the noises from the door took on greater urgency. He was about to go investigate when the computer voice sounded, stopping him. Western interconnection synchronized. Initiate generator circuit breaker close for Western interconnection. Rushing back over to the panel, he flipped the switch labeled Western breaker close. Above him, the voice spoke. 
Texas grid synchronization in 15 minutes. He checked the movement on the synchroscope, then made his way to the couch. He climbed over the couch and crept down the hall to the exit door. It rattled and jumped. White puffs of concrete dust floated from around the frame. Gary turned and ran. He barged into the room and looked at the control panel. The point on the Texas interconnection synchroscope continued to rise. He went over and stared at the scope, willing it to hurry. He jumped out of his skin as another buzzer sounded. Angrily, he flipped switches and turned dials, and the buzzing stopped. Down the hall, the sound of the moaning grew louder as the door jumped in its frame. He went over to his old station and found his backpack. Reaching inside, he retrieved a single tiny object. Returning to the console, he set the object on the top edge. The tiny stalwart figure of a paladin, resplendent in shiny armor, stood at attention, his sword smartly at his side. Gary stared at the tiny figure and tried not to focus on anything else. Beside him, the pointer on the synchroscope continued to rise, even as the noise from down the hall did as well. The minutes ticked by and still Gary sat staring at his paladin. Gary didn't jump when he heard a metallic pop and then a loud bang from down the hall. The crescendo of moans and growls confirmed to him that the door had finally given way. He heard them coming. He looked at the scope, which showed the pointer virtually straight up. Behind him he could hear runners, their ruined feet propelling them down the hall. They caught his scent and pushed into the room. The first wave fell, unable to negotiate the couch, but others pushed over them and came towards him. He felt the weight of their bodies as they seized him. Through the tangle of grasping hands and gnashing teeth, he kept his eyes locked on the synchroscope. His body began to hemorrhage, and his mind buckled under the barrage of pain signals racing through his nerve endings, but still he focused on the scope. The computer voice sounded in his ears. Texas interconnection synchronized. Initiate generator circuit breaker close for Texas interconnection. With his last bit of strength, he reached up and flipped the switch labeled Texas breaker close. As they dragged him down and his vision went dark, he heard the computer-generated voice make its announcement. Total U.S. grid synchronization achieved. U.S. grid integrity now maintained from all sources. Above him, the tiny paladin stood at attention, keeping silent vigil over the last stand of Gary Sykes.